Welcome back, everybody, to All Good Points. It's your host, as always, Ricky Gray Jr. And this week, we're going to be talking about the finals, but not just the NBA finals. We're going to be talking about the Stanley Cup finals as well. We got the Toronto Raptors versus the Golden State Warriors. We got the Boston Bruins versus the St. Louis Blues. So without further ado, let's just go ahead and start the show. So the first thing we're going to talk about today is the Boston Bruins versus the St. Louis Blues. Now, Boston has already stole game one from St. Louis. So what we're going to do is talk a little bit about that. Boston was able to come back from a two goal deficit with four unanswered goals from Clifton, McAvoy, Corrali, and Martian. Amazing game by Boston, right? You you can't discredit that. But the end score kind of makes it seem like the Bruins handled the game pretty easily. But it actually took them a period and a half to get going. They were kind of, it kind of seemed like they were just shaking the rust off a little bit, which happens. That's that's something that normally happens in, uh, like when, when a team has a little bit too long of rest, uh, which they did. I believe it was like 10 days without a game or something like that. Um, usually you have those moments of having to knock the ring rust off. And that's that's what they did for the the first period and a half, maybe maybe a little bit less. Um, but after after that period and a half went by, Bennington ended up having a tough time stopping them because he gave up four unanswered goals. So Boston was able to overcome this little beginning slump that they had and uh, kind of just take away the game. They basically just stole the game from St. Louis without any issue whatsoever. It's a crazy, crazy game. Um, but the coach of this, of the St. Louis blues, Craig Berube, if I'm saying that last name, right, hopefully I am. I apologize if I'm not, but either way, um, he said that the turnover turnovers and not advancing the puck is what gave the Bruins too much uh, momentum. Now, if you know anything about hockey, it really just depends on which line is on at which time, depending on if you can build that momentum. During those turnovers and during the times that they weren't able to advance the puck, and we'll get into like some deeper stats here in a second, but not being able to advance the puck is is really what caused what happened. That's the only reason why they lost that game. They weren't able to advance the puck, so it ends up being to where the puck is spending too much time. You're playing too much defense at that point. If If you weren't getting your offense going or if your offense starts to fall off or kind of slack up a little bit, you end up playing defense for the rest of the game. And from the second period, pretty much the probably 10 minute mark of the second period all the way on, they were basically playing defense for most of the game. Um, and that's something that, you know, it, it happens sometimes. That's a normal thing. The lucky are not lucky, I should say, because you don't really ever want to lose a game. But when it comes to, you know, like the MLB series or the NBA finals or um, the NHL, you get seven games, right? You get seven games to win, essentially. That's that's pretty much the, the borderline thing of that anyways. But you get those seven games. You can give up one. Should you? No, absolutely not. You should go in with the mindset that you're going to sweep everybody that you play against. But you do have the luxury of having a bad game. That is kind of what I thought happened to St. Louis, but we're going to get into some more key points. Speaking of one, um, 17 of Boston's 18 skaters had a shot on goal. That is 
that's one of the things that you could look at that stat and kind of know exactly how the game went. 17 of 18 people had a shot on goal. That's way too much offense uh, for St. Louis to deal with, for Bennington to deal with. It's way too much offense. So if you break it down to the to the grand scheme of things, all of that offensive pressure from Boston being down early, they were down by two early. It was two. It was two zero in a flash. Okay, and we'll get into the we'll get into the St. Louis perks here in a second. But being able to rally back the thing that you try to do the most is put as much pressure on the opposing team's goalie as you can. That does not mean that every shot that you take has to go in. That's not the reality of it. You just need the right ones to go in. You need to make sure that you're putting shots on him so you can get things like rebounds. You could get a off off of one of his pads, somebody chips it in. Those are the kind of things that you look for in these situations, which is what Boston was doing. Boston was taking a lot of shots at Bennington, and he was having to defend all of them. We'll get into the shots on goal here in a second and, you know, save percentages and things like that. But if you think about the kind of shots that Bennington had to deal with because there was no offensive pressure coming from St. Louis, he was dealing with all of that heat from Boston, and he did a pretty good job, right? Like, he didn't do a bad job at it. He did pretty good. It's just at a certain point that there's too many bodies to defend. There's too many people around the goal at one time that you have to defend. You can't do it. You just can't do it. Um, moving on, the the Blues are 0-13 in cup final games. That's an issue, okay? that What that tells me is that they don't handle pressure well. Now, this isn't the same team from 1970, right? This isn't that same team. It's a completely different team. So I can't really judge them solely based on that. But when you think of it, you kind of have to take that into effect because that's kind of your team's history. Maybe your team just does not do well in pressure situations. I get it. It was the first game, right? It's very easy for me to look back on the first game and be like, this is what they did wrong. This is what they, you know, being like judging like that. So I'm, I'm trying to go into it as unbiased as possible because it was the first game of the series. And now that it's already happened in hindsight, I can look back and be like, Oh, well they should have did that better. But at the end of the day, you do have to take a look at these stats. Cause at the end of the day, they mean something. Now on the Bruin side, they have won eight straight games since losing the game three of the Eastern or the second round of the Eastern conference series. So, what that tells me is that the Bruins are just on a roll, right? They're they're just heating up, or they've heated up at the perfect time. Everybody says you can have a lackluster beginning of your season. You can always have a lackluster beginning of your season. Trust me, I'm a Wild fan. I understand what lackluster is, right? But you don't you don't want to start off hot and then cool down once you get into playoff time. You want to be pretty consistent throughout the year and then just heat up and go on a tear through the playoffs, which is what Boston is doing. Now, here's another, here's probably my more interesting fact about, um, I guess not fact, but like kind of like a trivia question. Anyways, percentages, the game one winners, the people that win game one of the Stanley cup final have a 77.2% chance of winning the Stanley cup. That's, that's what's the, what the numbers have been so far. The game one winner winners, have won 77.2% of the time. So right now, if you're a betting person, like I am, okay, I'm not going to lie to you guys because I have no reason to. But if you're a betting person, the idea is 
77%, that's very, very high for, you know, Boston to win the series. And it's not completely far-fetched that it might happen. Like, it's more, it's probably more likely that it will happen, especially if they're able to carry the same momentum um, with the away games. Now, I do want to talk about some positive notes for the Blues because I don't want to just, you know, harp on them the whole time. So they interviewed Jordan Bennington, the goalie for the St. Louis Blues, and he basically, like the gist of what I took from what he said, he's putting game one behind him. He's ready to get after them for game two. Um, the other thing that I really liked about St. Louis was they got started early, really, really fast. They st- they scored two goals really, really quickly. If that game, if if the, the offensive pressure would have stayed up for St. Louis, we would be talking right now about how St. Louis stole one from Boston at home. That's what we would be talking about right now. We wouldn't, we, we wouldn't be talking about how, you know, St. Louis kind of had a lackluster effort towards the end there and they just got outplayed and outpressured. We wouldn't be talking about that if, you know, they could have kept that offensive pressure up. But that is something that's good about them too, is they know that they can score and they can score quickly. So I'm actually super excited to see how this game two turns out. Now, positive things for the Bruins. This is what I was talking about when I was saying we were going to talk about some other stats. 38 shots on goal. That's insane, right? Now, I'm not saying 38 is this crazy, crazy number, but compared to the 20 that St. Louis had, that's 18 more shots on goal, which is just 18 extra chances to score, right? Them only scoring four out of 38, or yeah, yeah, four out of 38, that's kind of like a another thing to look into too. But 38 shots on goal, all that means is consistent pressure. And you can't, you honestly can't beat that. But the other thing that I wanted to point out was that they had a great team defense. They had 12 blocks, okay? That is taking a lot of the pressure off of your goalie to make saves. If you sacrifice yourself for a block, it's great. It takes the pressure off of him to where he can actually feel a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more fluid inside of the net, gives him a better chance to make the tougher saves when he needs to, right? Because it keeps his... It's kind of like just keeping your blood pressure down, really, like just not getting too overworked and too outstretched to where you you're not able to, like, calculate where a puck's going to be. So since he has guys in front of him sacrificing themselves to block pucks, you can't beat that. The next game is on Wednesday, TD Garden. So it's home for Boston again. Smart Money is on the Bruins for that game. So I'm going to take them. Uh, We got to thank some sponsors and we're going to be right back with the NBA Finals. Allow me to paint a quick picture for you. You're getting ready to head out to the gym. You've got your pre-workout ready. You've got your protein sitting there, but uh uh-oh, you don't have a gym shaker. I've got a solution for you. Hit up gymshakers.ca, enter promo code AGPPOD at checkout for free shipping so you can get some of the coolest shakers that are out there on the market. Remember, gymshakers.ca, promo code AGPPOD at checkout for free shipping. Now, I'm just saying, you don't want to look like the guy that's got the water bottle with the pre-workout, all right? You got to look legit. That's why you need a gym shaker. So go to gymshakers.ca, enter promo code AGPPOD at checkout so you can get shaking, baby. You got to be shaking. You got to shake it all the time, all right? Let's get back to the show. All right, so moving on, let's talk about the NBA Finals. Golden State versus the Toronto Raptors, okay? You got Steph versus Kawhi. There's some big points of conversation here okay biggest matchups to i should i should say like watch out for but basically is going to be entertaining to watch 
starting with Curry and Thompson versus Lowry and Leonard. You've got Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, a.k.a. the Splash Brothers, right, versus Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard. Now, Kawhi and Kyle Lowry aren't necessarily known as being like like scoring scoring on the level of Clay Thompson or Steph Curry, right? They're not necessarily known for having lights out threes and things like that, but they do play really, really well together, which is what I think is going to play the most into this series is how Toronto plays really, really well together. You know, it's a, it's a very solid overall all around group. Um, then you get to throw Danny Green into the mix, which is a whole other thing. And then Serge Ibaka, it's it's crazy. The the Raptors are crazy. Um, honestly, I didn't see them. I didn't see them beating the Bucks. I really didn't. Um, I had the Bucks in that series. It kind of looked promising. I'll say in the beginning, uh, for me, anyways, I thought that the Bucks were playing pretty well in the beginning, and then it just kind of seemed like Toronto hit another gear. Um, Kawhi kind of got back into the swing of things. But it's kind of like how I was pointing out on the previous episode that. Toronto did a really good job resting Kawhi through the year to make sure that he was basically 100% going into the playoffs. And them doing that is kind of what's showing this resurgence and this dominance from Kawhi, which is what we've been really wanting to see from him for a long time. So with that being said, you do have two kind of different play styles there. When you start talking about like, you know, the catch and shoot brothers with, you know, Steph and Clay. And then you kind of talk about like the offensive setup that goes on between Lowry and um, Leonard. It's just two different play styles. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see the way that they play against each other, depending on who's guarding who, which kind of brings up another point. Um, The timetable, as far as Durant coming back, Durant is missing the first game of the series, which happens tomorrow. Uh, So you kind of have... There's kind of two theories out there right now. One theory being that they play much better without Durant as a team. The other being that they don't play really that well. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to tackle this a little bit. When it comes to Durant as a basketball player, regardless of whatever team he's on, he makes that team better. So Golden State is a better team with Durant. However... Golden State plays better as a team without Durant. It's not saying that he is messing up their team chemistry, but when you have somebody like Durant that can score easily and score often, they kind of garner a lot of attention from the rest of the team. The idea is basically to get the ball to them, and they kind of facilitate the offense. Now, when he's out, you can see that their passing is a lot crisper, um, they actually work towards open opportunities with like plays. They have a little bit of a different function as far as scoring goes. Um, so it, they function a little bit differently when KD isn't there. That's not to say that they're just overall a better team when Kevin Durant isn't playing, because that's not true. Like you're adding a whole different element of scoring to your system when you put KD there. Now, there's there's a, a very, very important kind of thing that I see here with KD being gone. If KD's gone, that means uh, Kawhi is basically allowed to guard whoever he wants. Kawhi Leonard is the best defender in the league. There's not a question behind that. There's, there's no mystery. He's the best defender in the league. So 
Him being free to guard whoever he wants means he can guard Clay and make sure that he shuts Clay down. Um, I don't think he would step all the way to guarding Steph because, you know, Steph is going to be guarded by Kyle, uh, Kyle Lowry. Um, but him being able to have that decision of who basically gets shut down in what game is going to be like pivotal. That's a that's a very pivotal point when it comes to defensive strategy, because if you're the Raptors, you don't have to worry about KD for this first game. And honestly, there's not necessarily a timetable on when Kevin's coming back. They're thinking, you know, maybe by game two, game three, somewhere around that. But we also thought that he was going to be ready for this series. And apparently he isn't. So you don't know when he's going to come back. You don't know if this is some sort of statement from Durant basically saying that he's done. I found out that he sold his house in San Francisco and he bought um, a house in New York. So that's kind of interesting. Um, That's like an interesting fact to just come out over the week. But at the end of the day, you don't necessarily know what's going on in KD's head or if he's actually, you know, really injured and he can't, he can't play to a hundred percent right now. What that does do is that leaves a wide open gap for Toronto to actually make something out of this series. I think they do have a chance to do that, but I also think that Golden State is just a much better all around team. So there's some, there's some issues there. Um, Moving on. Steph um, has been averaging over 30 points a game. He swept Portland, rolled through Houston and Houston is a good basketball team, right? Portland is a good basketball team. Now he's got now he's got Toronto, and Toronto is a good basketball team. But he hasn't seemed to have, well, the Golden State Warriors haven't had an issue with good teams. You know, uh, LeBron being able to do what he did to Golden State, which is basically just win one series against them, him being able to do that is a credit to LeBron. That's not a credit to the Cavaliers. That's just a credit to the kind of dominance and power LeBron has when he's playing basketball. That's just kind of like, it kind of just feeds into his lore because you can see that Houston, who had who has better teams, are better players on that team than the Cavaliers did when you know they did it. Um, they weren't able to do much with Golden State. Portland wasn't able to do anything with Golden State. The only person that has been able to at least compete is LeBron. So that's just a testament to how good LeBron is. The other the other thing that I want to point out is that currently Toronto is favored to win game one because KD's out. So that kind of like, if you ever play like the odds game, the the lines will kind of tell you really from a, from a I guess from like a statistical standpoint, who would win. And in this situation, it's clear that they believe Toronto will win game one. Now, if Toronto is able, this is where it gets, this is where it gets really interesting. If Toronto is able to steal one game at home from Golden State, whether it's this one or whether it's the next one, they do have a really, really good chance of taking this series if it goes four to three. So that, that, if it goes seven games, they could take it four to three if it goes seven games. The idea is they have to be able to steal one. I say steal the one when Durant is missing because when he comes back, there's a good chance you're not going to win another one and you'll have to win the games at home. That's that's just my theory on that. Now, if KD comes back for game two, I'm going to take Golden State in six games. But if he sits, it could definitely go to seven. And at that point, it's just a toss up. I love Golden State. I think that they're a great basketball team. 
But at the same time, Toronto kind of seems like they they might have a bead on what they want to do in this series. So um, remember, guys, rate and review all good points on your favorite podcast platform. You can also listen to my podcast on PodCoin, which is where you get paid to listen to podcasts. So why wouldn't you want to do it? All you got to do is download the app. If you use my code, good points, you get 300 coins right from the jump. You can use those for gift cards or um, I think it's like Starbucks stuff. There's a lot of stuff on there. I haven't gone through like the whole catalog, but PodCoin, all good points. Remember to rate and review. I will see you guys next week. You guys have a wonderful sports weekend and make sure that you root for Bruins, root for the Bruins and root for Golden State. All right, you guys have a great weekend.